If you would turn to your scriptures in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 22. We'll start there. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. (coughs) And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across his Jordan to whom you bore witnesses. Look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Buzzfeed. Ten things you must know before eating breakfast. Five things you must know about Mozambique. Eight things you must know before seeing Thor. Fifty-four things everyone must know how to do. We see these articles coming across our devices and often our attention is diverted by these clickbait imperatives. There are 25 billion articles telling you what you must know. And these articles, as you know, are full of advertisements and full of slides and usually useless trivia that distracts us from what's important. They distract us from living our life. They distract us from that which we truly must know. And there are things that you really must know. There are things given to you by God, must have information, that are information that's absolutely critical to our well-being, to our life, to our future after death. Everything else is trivia, but when God speaks, we would do well to listen. And perhaps God brought you here for the purpose of hearing what you truly must know. In verse 30, John the Baptist says, He, that is Christ Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. These are the words of John the Baptist, the one who announced the ministry of Jesus. 
the ministry of Jesus as Messiah of the world. John's ministry was calling people to repentance from their sins, to get right with God and be purified. And he was baptizing converts to God. And suddenly there was Jesus and his disciples were baptizing too. And so some of John, the Baptist followers, what they saw was competition. They saw a tug of war developing for the souls of men. They wanted their influence to expand, not to diminish. He says in verse 28, you yourselves, he says, you yourselves hear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. They saw Jesus and his disciples with some degree of jealousy. It's sort of like a soccer team who used to be a travel team, but now find they are supplanted. They are relegated to the house league and another team is rising to take their place as a travel team. But John the Baptist says in verse 27 that this is of God, he said. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it was given him from God, from heaven. This is God's plan. It's not to be fought against. This is of God, John says. This is God's intent. It's God's plan. Jesus says, thus it was written that Christ should suffer on the third day rise again, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And so he's saying, this is of God, and I am not the Christ, verse 28. You yourself heard me bear witness. I am not the Christ. I have been sent before the Christ. I'm not the Savior, John says. You heard me say that. You heard me announce that. And he has embraced this truth with joy. The scripture says of John that he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. He was the one crying out in the wilderness, make, ways, make straight the way of the Lord. And in verse 29, he gives us a metaphor, a wedding metaphor. He says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy, the, this joy of mine is now complete. It's, it's a marriage, and how many of you, when you go to a wedding, remember who the best man is? You probably can't even name the best man, unless maybe it's family. But you know who the groom is. You know who the bride is. And in fact, ancient law, John is referring to here, Ancient law said that the best man was absolutely prohibited from ever marrying the bride. Even if, if the groom was to die, the, bride, the best man could not marry the bride. He was to be completely trustworthy in his role. And he would stand outside the house and guard the house after the wedding, waiting for the cry of the bridegroom and all would be complete. He was not allowed to marry the bride. He stand guard over the house of the bride and the groom. In the wedding, it's the bride 
and the groom who are the center of attention, not the best man. The groom waits for his bride. The the groom receives his bride. The groom makes his unconditional vow to his bride, and he gives his name to the bride. The bride is for the groom. And that's why he says in verse 30, John the Baptist, he must increase. He's saying of Christ, Christ is the groom. He must increase. I must decrease. That it was completely divinely necessary. And according to the plan of God, that that John's ministry was to wither and to fade. It was to diminish in light of the ministry of Jesus the Christ, who was sent by the Father to save the bride through the purification that he provided on the cross as his Blood cleanses every sin. Earlier, Jesus, in speaking to Nicodemus, says in verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Notice the divine uh, day there again. The imperative, you must. This is something you must know. You must be born again. Our culture ridicules that statement about being born again and often misunderstands it and misapplies it. But what he's saying is that your Canadian citizenship, as it were, is meaningless on Judgment Day. It's it's not going to make you a citizen of heaven. Your birth certificate is not going to get you a single thing. It has no legal standing, no citizenship there for, for you because you are a citizen of Canada. When you stand on the day that's appointed for you after death, the only thing that's going to matter is not your first birth, but your second birth. Not your first one, but your spiritual birth. You were born into a family with parents. Your spiritual birth, you're born into a spiritual family where not suddenly your creator God, you can say Father God. And you become a child of God through the ministry of Jesus Christ. To be born again is to be born spiritually into God's lineage by faith. By faith. To admit your sinful condition and that you cannot save yourself. Our communities are beset by people who think they're good enough for heaven, who think that they can do enough or if they just try enough that somehow they'll be fit for heaven. It's like jumping from a plane without a parachute. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. But Jesus is the Savior, and we put him on in faith. We repent, and we believe, and we follow Jesus, and then we are safe, and we are saved. We must be born again, he says, and we must look to the Savior. Look it down at verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Ancient Israel was beset by venomous snakes, if you remember. And they were biting many, and many were dying. And Moses was instructed to put this staff together and this pole and and, and, and this image of a serpent, and when it was raised up, anybody who looked to the looked there 
would be healed and would be safe. It's a picture of the cross, he's saying. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, but people put their faith, they trusted God's healing power. He says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's speaking about the cross, that Jesus was lifted up on the cross for us as we look at him in faith and we are healed from the, the bitter strike of sin's snake, as it were, because we have all been bitten with sin. It's in our blood, it courses through our flesh, it's who we are as a fallen human race and fallen men and women, that we are sinners who can't save ourselves. We must be born again spiritually. We must look to Jesus on the cross. We must, for he must increase. And his ministry, saving ministry, increases. We must be born again. We must look to the Savior. He must increase. He's speaking of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the Lord and Savior of all mankind. And it's witnessed to. And it's affirmed. And it's something we must know. It's critical information that we are to respond to and act on by faith. Trusting in this Jesus. Because there's no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Only Jesus. You know, the Jews looked to their temple, the center of their worship, and it was magnificent and it was wonderful. And Jesus says, something greater than the temple is here, speaking of himself. They looked to Jonah, who was a great preacher, of course, and was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. And Jesus, speaking of his own death and resurrection, says, something greater than Jonah is here. And he says of Solomon, who was wise and given wisdom by God in an amazing way, who was wiser than Solomon? And yet, Jesus says, something greater than Solomon is here as he speaks of himself and his supremacy. He must increase. And among humanity, you know, there was, no, there was none greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said that himself. And yet this same John the Baptist, in the face of Christ, says, I must decrease. He must increase. And in the increase of Christ and his ministry, <coughs> there's not resentment. There's not jealousy. There's not proud vanity. But joy, the joy of the best man. He says in verse 29, therefore this joy of mine is now complete. No competition. There's no comparison. There's no conflict. 
For Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He must increase. You must be born again. And you must look up to Jesus on the cross and be healed of sin's judgment. It courses through your veins. You need a savior. And our nation, Canada, has chosen to ignore what must be known. They've chosen to go their own way that leads to death to pursue the distractions and the trivia of meaningless information to while away the precious time that has been given to us. There is no fear before their eyes. As our fellow Canadians are worshiping the gods of silver and gold. The scripture says of Jesus, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. They refuse to know what must be known in favor of BuzzFeed articles. They refuse to know what God has revealed for us to know. Will you know these things? Will you believe them? Will you trust him and follow him? Will you know God? We must be born again. We must look up to the Savior who's lifted up for us on the cross. He must increase. The scripture says to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God who were born, now he's speaking here of being born again, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not physically, he says, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God. You must be born again. Will you repent of your sin? Will you believe by faith Will you look to the Savior and be forgiven of your sins? Have them washed away. Be cleansed. Be saved. This same chapter that speaks of John the Baptist also, and, and, and the imperatives of what we must know, also says those familiar words in verse 16, don't for God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And he says in verse 36 as well, he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God remains on the sinner who will not listen to God, who will not hear what God has for them, a savior. They will not follow him and his wrath remains on them. But whoever believes has eternal life. For the wrath of God was poured out on his son, Jesus, as he died on the cross. Of this Christ, Jesus, the prophet says that one day, of course, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is passionate about this. He will see his son honored and glorified. He must increase. Would you bow with me in prayer? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Give us receptive hearts this morning in a world that is so distracted with nonsensical articles and tearing our focus apart from us that we hardly can go through a day without our energies dispersed and by all of these distractions that are so unimportant to life. And what is critical to life, we fail to notice, we fail to, to see and to know. And so, if that's you this morning, you must be born again. You must look to Jesus, lift it up. The only Savior, the Son of God. Put your faith in Him, repent. He will increase. Um, his ministry cannot be stopped that we live amongst the forgetful people. And one day the government will be on his shoulders and will increase and, and there will be no end to peace and righteousness. So Father, work in the hearts of those who don't know you, who cannot call you Father because they've never been born again spiritually. 
Work on their heart. Teach them their sins. Help them to know, Lord, that it, even one sin in their life is enough, was enough to cause Adam to hide from God. Now they, we can't save ourselves. We need a savior. We need your son. And so, Father, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Amen.